Hi folks, this is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things that we can all do to live a better life if times get tough or even if they don't. Today is March the 3rd, 2020. This is episode 2611 of the Survival Podcast, and we're going to talk about COVID-19, a.k.a. the coronavirus, which is not even close to an accurate way to describe this. We'll talk about that more today with the media and how the media can simply... Uh, Really, I, I kind of wish at this point people in the media, and I, I'm including both mainstream and alternative media, would like climb up their own ass and die with the way that this thing's being covered. I'm going to cover it today, and I'm going to do that because I've covered it a little bit recently, and I'm getting feedback from people that it actually is helping them. And it's not just helping them to be prepared in general and be prepared for this, but to get their head around this, to realize they don't need to be freaking out. I have never said this is nothing at all. Don't worry about it. Just ignore it. And, 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 and nothing is going to happen at all in zero. I don't know where that bullshit comes from. I really don't. But I also did kind of push back real hard on it at the beginning. And there's a reason. There's a reason. And when we get into it, I'll explain it. But I want to explain again the things that you can do, and the way to come at this, and the way to get your head around this, and the way to stop freaking the F out at the way this is being reported. I want to explain why it's being reported the way that it is, why it has some real concerns for healthcare practitioners, and I don't blame them, but why for the average person it ain't as big a deal as they're making it out to be. Now, see, this is where I get, I just, I'm so frustrated, specifically with this audience. I really am. Because a lot of you have been with me for over 10 years. And I'm, I'm, I'm really frustrated that if I don't go to the extreme, that means I'm not saying not to worry about it. I'm saying not to worry about it at all. Okay? And, and I, I'm really frustrated from the standpoint that I got people that have been claiming to be preppers for a decade freaking out about a generalized disruption is what we got here. And, and I'm going to try to explain it in a way that hopefully will put the calm on everybody. But we'll also say, because here's what I titled today's show. Feeling exposed due to COVID-19? Good. Here's what to do about it. Because what I'm realizing is that all of my, my prepper peeps out there, y'all ain't as prepared as you, were, you thought you were in your head. And I've seen this ebb and flow over the years with the crisis du jour, cri crisis de la Sermaine. Crisis de la Sermaine, that's crisis of the week. Well, we now have one that's going to be like crisis of the quarter. I don't know how to say quarter uh, in, in Spanish. I should, but I don't. Um, so it's the crisis of the quarter, because I think this is about a three-month cycle of ebb and flow of this crisis before it'll kind of wane off in the summer. And like we, we talked about yesterday, you could see a resurgence in the fall, but I think we'll be in a much better position to deal with it. And I'm again, I'm not saying this won't affect you at all. In fact, I'm going to tell you that I think before this is over with, almost everybody in this audience will at least know someone that was infected or know someone that knew someone that was infected at least. And many of you will know somebody that died. Just like many of you know somebody that died this year from the flu. That doesn't mean they're the same thing. That's enough. We'll, we'll get to all in a minute before we do. 
Let's hear from our sponsors of the day. Sponsor of the day number one today is westernbotanicals.com. We're going to talk about building up your immunity today, and there's certainly herbs that can do that. But what I think herbs are best for is dealing with chronic, long-term, achy-type situations. And I have relied on herbs uh, as my primary go-to for my personal health for a long time. And when Western Botanicals came along, as you guys are going to hear today when we talk about this, nothing... I hate nothing more than hype. Hype is why I've pushed back so hard on this corona thing. And when I found an herbal company that did zero hype and they wanted to work with me, I wanted to work with them. It's been a great partnership. We've been together about a decade now. Check them out at westernbotanicals.com. Next up today, bulkammo.com. I know you think the zombies are coming to take your tomatoes during the coronavirus zombie attack. They're not. But you do need ammo. You need lots of it. Your gun without ammo is an expensive club. So you need ammo for training. You need ammo to make that gun usable for defense if it comes down to it. You need that gun to have ammo to put food on the table. A gun without ammo, just really, again, it's not really a gun. You can find all the ammo you're looking for at BulkAmmo.com. All the common calibers are in stock. And this is a good time to buy ammo because everybody's freaking out buying masks. So it's a good time to get your ammo at a fair price. It's not been as well. The ammo market hasn't been as fairly priced um, as it is today for a long time. For a long time. You can even get 22 long rifle now. It was amazing to me how long that thing lasted. So check it out, bulkammo.com. That way you can get your stuff shipped to you instead of going out in the store with the zombies. We'll talk more about that in a minute. Before we do, let's talk about our quote of the day today. Um, Jack Welsh, who I don't remember exactly his age. I think he was 84, somewhere in his mid-80s. Um, who's a business person that I've always admired his, his, not maybe everything about the man in general, but his business acumen, uh, I, I'm definitely a student of his philosophy. And I wanted to quote from him today because he just passed away. And, and there is some reflection here in thinking about this man who passed away of kidney failure. And odds are a guy in his mid-80s who passed away from kidney failure, if he didn't have a and I don't know if he did, because he was a pretty private guy, even though he was also kind of public in other ways. Um, unless he had some sort of kidney issue, odds are it's health-related for a guy of 84 years old to have his kidneys fail. You know, it's, it's a lifestyle to at least some degree. So when we're thinking about taking care of ourselves through this uh, this this epidemic, pandemic, call you want. I'll tell you today why they should be calling a pandemic, except the only reason they're doing is they don't want to freak you out anymore and you're already freaked out. Um, but while we're worried about this, realize that the way you live your life in many ways has a much greater impact on how long you're going to live than whatever particular disease pops up today, tomorrow, or yesterday. But what Jack Wells said, and I think it applies to right now and it applies to the way I've tried to run this show, he said, giving people self-confidence is by far the most important thing that I can do, because then they will act. And it amazes me how quotes like this, they seem timeless, but today might not be really understood. We've given so many people so much confidence over nothing, that it sounds like giving people self-confidence is a bad idea anymore. Right? This was a different time when Jack said this. What he meant was give them confidence that they can do the things that are within their ability. Give them confidence in their competence. Not give them confidence because, well, all little good boys and little good girls deserve confidence. He's talking about actually empowering people based on their competence so they'll use it. That's what this show's been all about. 
That's what this show's been about for, for, for you know, 12 years it'll be this June. Assuming I don't die from the coronavirus by June, it'll be 12 years that I've been doing the show. And I have really tried to get people to take action. And I want you to think about that because early on in this episode, it's going to come into play as to why I've pushed so much back on this. So let's start out with coronavirus. And the first thing I want to do is, once again, I want to try to help you get a grasp on why the infected rate, the number of people with coronavirus, is, inf is deflated. In other words, it's vastly underreported, and that makes the death rate look inflated. So there is an understanding now, and to be fair to the fact that this has been kind of, the numbers have been thrown out there as though they're hard numbers, uh, while screaming that China's lying, <laughs> but yet they're thrown out like they're hard numbers. There was really not an understanding early on by doctors and scientists as to, well, how asymptomatic, in other words, without the presentation of symptoms, can this thing be? And they've determined at this point that a person could have it and show almost no symptoms at all. Or mild symptoms, moderate symptoms, major symptoms, severe symptoms, life-threatening symptoms. That goes the whole spectrum. And when we throw kids in the mix, they're not sure yet, but I have my suspicions that we'll cover in a minute. So first of all, we just have the, the, the flat reality. If there's supposedly 80,000 people with this disease in China, in, 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 in central China alone, and specifically something like 70,000 in Wuhan, which is the epicenter, that the idea that they know how many cases there are is stupid on its face. It's stupid on its face. And what I mean by the fact that it's stupid on its face is that there's probably ten times at least that number of people that have the damn thing there. I really believe if you just randomly, especially in places where we started to have some community spread in the United States, like let's say Seattle, if you just went out on the streets and randomly ran it up, round up 10,000 people and tested them, I think you'd find enough cases of it to really freak people out. So that, what is freaking people out should be actually calming people down. So the first thing is just we have an under underreported number of people with it. And this is more so than the flu, because the flu in general, you don't have a lot of people walking around completely asymptomatic and infected with influenza. You know you have the flu, or you know you have something when you have the flu. In general, far less of a number of completely no symptoms whatsoever. And again, we'll get to how kids factor into this in a minute. The next thing is when you get a new virus, right? It could be anything, but a new virus in particular. And I want to explain something. There's people that are out there saying stupid shit like it's all a scam because we've known about coronavirus forever and it's all a Lysol can, dummy. Okay, stop sounding stupid. Stop being stupid. Stop being, in the words of Lieutenant General Russell Honore, who handled the Katrina response, stop being stuck on stupid. Coronavirus is a family of viruses. There's lots of them, including one that only infects dogs that we already have a vaccine for. Preparing a vaccine for any of them is pretty similar. They could get a vaccine done really, really fast, but there's a whole bunch of regulations and shit to make sure that the vaccine doesn't kill people. At least that's the story. 
All right? Coronavirus is a family of viruses. It is not the thing. This is uh, coronavirus 19, also known as novel coronavirus 19. Novel is in it's new, not that it's special, right? And when you get a new virus that can infect people, well, the first group of people it infects are the people that can get it at all. See, there's a whole shitload of people that have immunity to any given virus. That might be 1%, it might be 50%. We just don't know. When it's because it's new. We don't know yet. Additionally, it is likely the case that people that have been exposed to coronaviruses, other flavors, let's say, in the past, may have some additional immunity to this one. We don't know, but it's highly likely. That would be following historical uh, norms that that would be the case. And again, it may have something to do with kids and their very low to no infection rate among especially very young kids. So all of this, again, we end up with a subset of a subset of a subset that we even know about in the beginning. Because shitloads of people get it. They have symptoms. They say, I have the flu. They don't go to, who, who, do you, have you ever had the flu? Did you go to the hospital for it? You see what I'm saying? There's a whole bunch of people that had this thing, didn't know they had this thing, recovered and went on about their lives. Again, there is some bad to that, but it also should, again, take this whole... I had somebody make the case to me the actual death rate from this is 7 to 14% because of how many cases there are that have not yet been resolved. In other words, a person hasn't fully recovered. And my response to that was the mental gymnastics you needed to go through to get there. Show me that you have a craving desire for this to be true. For some weird reason, you want to be afraid. And I will not waste another second of my valuable life. I will not, I will not waste another millimicrometer of my dash talking to you because you are useless to me if you're going there. This number is vastly overinflated where it is right now. And it, it, Anybody with an understanding of the history of this and the science behind it that was intellectually honest would tell you that. I'm going to tell you that the government's doing their best with this. Now, what scares me about that is, is not their malice, but their incompetence. I generally have very little faith in the state. Certain things they do tend to get right because it's in their best interest to get it right. This is one of those things where they do make their best effort. And one of the things that they know is if they call it a pandemic... You'll freak out. Guess what? It is a pandemic. It is on six continents, and it's spreading human to human. That is the very definition of pandemic. They don't want to call it a pandemic. There's a bunch of people holding bonds that will lose their money if they call it a pandemic. They got all the way till June to not call it a pandemic before those people get their money back. You can look that shit up if you doubt me. Right? That's not conspiracy. That's just how they. That's that's just a financial insurance instrument. But according to everything they've ever said would mean pandemic, when you got community spread of more than one continent, you have a pandemic. So we have a pandemic. Ah! Calm the F down. Just calm down. Right? This is why I had to push back so hard. So let me explain to y'all. When I was going, just relax. It's going to be okay. It's not going to destroy your life, etc., And I was taking a very, very calm pushback, let's not even go there right now, approach. While I was doing that, the people that pissed me off, the ones that are freaking you out right now, were making claims like there were thousands dead daily in Wuhan. 
That's an exact quote. There were claims that they were able to detect using weather satellites, some genius supposedly that has no degree in anything or no knowledge of anything, but he figured out how to work a map, could detect uh, plume clouds of sulfuric gas over Wuhan because they were burning thousands of people a day in an incinerator to get rid of them. There were videos. In, in one case, I think the guy probably actually was sick. In the other case, I think he probably was drunk of a guy collapsing, and this was proof that thousands were dying and you were being misled and it was going to come here, and they were getting caskets or the, the big coffin things that hold like 12 people apiece ready in Atlanta because they were going to bury us all because we were all going to die. This is the kind of bullshit that was going on when I was saying just calm down. Why? Plenty of time. And again, I expect the people I'm talking to in this audience to be basically prepared. And as you're going to hear today, that's mostly what you can do. There's a few things we can kind of dial in a little bit better because of this, but in the end, basic preparedness, the ability to provide for yourself for two, I'm sorry, for two weeks to six weeks in your home, and I, I prefer more like six to eight weeks, but at least two weeks to, to be able to, for two weeks, take your keys, throw them in your drawer, don't leave your house, and you're going to be okay at the end of those two weeks. You're not going to be completely out of everything. You're probably going to be okay. If you can do that for 30 days, you're fine. Assuming you're not immunocompromised or otherwise at risk and get this disease. And then you might have a serious issue. But you also might have a serious issue if you get the flu. That's My other thing is this at-risk population. I feel terrible for you. I have a person that I'm actually very concerned about because of the totality of that person's situation their health, and then what their family does as a whole, and some other things I'll discuss, and I'm worried about that one person. But in the end, when I look at the totality and speak from the macro, I have to speak from the macro to you guys. So that's what was going on. I'm dealing with people freaking out, absolutely freaking out. People saying shit like, this is what's going to happen. It's inevitable. You have one week till you know retail apocalypse or whatever. I... And then, you know, it comes, the, the seven days comes and goes, and the things are pretty much still the same, except people are a little more freaked out. And then this whole cycle's feeding on itself. And you got to turn off the news, right? If you want to watch it once a day, that's fine. But people that are glued to this, you got to stop. I've been telling you that for years. Nothing's new about that. But here's the reason why. If I wanted to get through this as fast as I could, I could tell everything everything you actually need to know and everything you could actually do if I went full on fast as I can without any other things to help you mentally deal with this in 15 minutes. That's what I could do. 15 minutes. Now, they have no interest in the media, alternative or mainstream, in helping you deal with this mentally. Their interest is in distorting you mentally so you will pay attention to them nonstop. So they take this 15 minutes of actual knowledge that you need to have and they package it 20 or 30 different ways and they run it on the recycle. And what I've seen lately is that I would say for every hour, now there's so much, there's so many advertisements, right? You got it. It's not an hour as in two to three o'clock. It's an hour probably of like two to like 2.45 so they can get all their advertisements for drug companies, ironically, and pillows and shit in there, right? But for every hour of content, for the last three weeks, I would say about 30 minutes of most media has been dedicated to coronavirus. And they just keep regurgitating the same shit over and over and over and over again. And they're starving. 
for anything new. Like, one person got it over here. So when one person gets it over here, they have to hype the living shit out of it because for the next couple of days it may be the only thing new that they have. Now, they're clamoring that the government needs to be open with us, so they put together a task force. Various members of this task force come out and speak. So every time somebody speaks, we have new breaking updates on the coronavirus that we're too lazy to call what it really is. Coronavirus 2019 novel strain, right? So we'll just call it the coronavirus, like it's the only one, like there's never been a coronavirus before. And they have to do this because they have set themselves on a cycle. So once they're on that cycle, they must hype anything new, anything different. They must keep screaming, look at me, look at me, look at me. As shitty as it is that we're dealing with Ass Clown Circus 2020 right now, thank God for Joe Biden and, and Michael Bloomberg and Bernie Sanders and the fake Indian and Booty Jig and Klobuchar and the, the butt clob effect of them dropping out together. Like, thank God for it because it would be 45 to 50 minutes of out of 60 minutes if there wasn't an election going on, because they don't really have anything else to talk about. And even when they talk about the election or corrections in the stock market, it's, oh, it's related to coronavirus. This is related to the, and it's nonstop. And then when, what I saw interesting, I watched a, some talk show with Juan Williams on it on Fox News for about 10 minutes yesterday before I want to punch myself in the face listening to it. But he was, they were talking about this bullshit where the media went nuts screaming that the orange man, for those of you not familiar with that term, President Trump, called the coronavirus a, um, a hoax. And when that happened, I was like, you people are stupid and you're making the orange man more strong. Because he did not say coronavirus was a hoax. What he said was the way that the left is handling it, because it is their only thing they can use to try to get Trump now, everything's worn out. They've shot every missile and rocket they have at the guy. He's still standing. He's poised to win re-election. But the only weakness is if the economy collapses. So the Democrats now want the economy to collapse. So anything he says, he's wrong. If Donald Trump shit a cure, like took a squat, popped out a crap, and they went, holy shit, this is a cure for the coronavirus, he would still be wrong. That's how animate these people are. So they, they talk about the fact that even the other mainstream media people finally went, yeah, you, you shouldn't do that. Like, that's not what he said. And this is what Juan said. He said, well, it's true. He didn't say that. And yes, he really did say that their response was the hoax. And, well, their response kind of is a hoax. But if you go to all the right-wing blogs, they're saying it's nothing. So they believed him, so he's still wrong. Like, this level of stupid is what everybody's stuck on. And it's all of this wrapped up together. That is the bullshit that was going on while I was saying, calm the F down. That's how all this runs together. Next, kids seem to be almost totally unaffected. By this. Like kids show almost, there's like almost like right in ground zero in Wuhan. There's almost no children, especially under like 10, that have any symptoms of this whatsoever. And then the ones that are like teenagers or whatever that get it, they seem to be incredibly mild. And the severity seems to go almost linearly up with age. The good news is we're not going to have pediatric wards full of kids with deep respiratory distress from this the way we do with Influenza. Influenza is particularly hard on babies and young children when they get severe cases of it, which doesn't seem to happen at all with this. The bad. Well, our, our germ factories in this country are the government schools. 
thousands of children snot slinging all around all day long, wrestling with each other at recess, spitting at each other, slapping each other, touching each other, no hygiene whatsoever. They are the disease factories. And what they're saying is, well, we're not sure if maybe it's because kids don't get this or they just don't show symptoms. I'm going to tell you the concept they don't get it doesn't, I don't, I don't buy that. So I think that the way that you'll see the most spread of this will be through schools and universities. And kids go to school and they come home and they give it to mom and dad. And that's, that is the downside of this. Now the other side of this is most people are not going to have any response beyond that of the flu. Most people aren't. Period. And again, we're going to get to some at-risk cases right here now. But at-risk... Here's the place where you do have to stop and think. Because we have a tendency due to, we want to freak out, this is the end of the world and the zombies are coming, and then we want to say, but not for me. So are you at risk? Here are the conditions that I think make you more at risk. Number one, it is elevated risk if you are over 65. But I, I think that's, you know, so you're 64, you're 59, Right? Like, hey, come on. Like, But they got to draw the line somewhere. But it seems like over 65. But serious risk is like 80 and older. So the older you are, the more you have to think about prevention rather than just pre preparation, in my opinion anyway. If you are a smoker, you are at massively elevated risk for any respiratory illness, but especially this. If you are a heavy smoker, you really do not want to get this. And here's the thing. Since we have never had something like this at a time when all y'all are running around vaping, uh, whatever the hell that propylene glycol shit is y'all are smoking, which at least you don't stink the way you do with cigarettes with vaping, but whatever. That, we don't know. We don't know what, what, what level of risk that is. So if you're, if you're constantly putting smoke or any other chemical in your lungs... I would say consider yourself at greater risk for how severe this could hit you if you get it. If you have any respiratory issues, if you've had in the past been infected with something that's pretty mild for most people, but you had some sort of acute respiratory disorder from it, you are at elevated risk. If you are immunocompromised in any way, you are at elevated risk here. Because a lot of people that are immunocompromised, it's not even, well, what will this do? They it, every time they get something, it hits another hit to the immune system, and they can end up with multiple infections as well. And some of the things to think about with that are things like, as far as like people you know, because I think if you're listening to this and you are immunocompromised, you're going, that's me. But people you know that you might not be thinking about. People that had things like organ transplants that are on immunosuppressant drugs. That would be an example of a, a greater risk level demographic. Next, and this is one that's going to affect a lot of people. It doesn't mean that you need to run out and dig a hole in the ground and hide in it if it applies to you, but it's, it's a thing that people would look over. High blood pressure. High blo if you have chronic high blood pressure, you're probably at an increased risk. Maybe not as much as the other ones we covered, but any other cardiovascular disease. And then I would say this one's not really that you're at a higher risk of developing a severe form, but you're at a higher risk of getting this illness if you live in high-density living conditions. 
A person that lives in an apartment complex, I think, is more likely to get it than a person that lives in a subdivision who is more likely to get it than a person like me that lives out here kind of in the middle uh, uh, ground between the sticks and, and, and the subdivisions. And a person that lives way out in the country is less likely to get it than me. So the more density you live in, the more you're going to get it. But if you have a person routinely going to high density and back to your home like a child, which is like the primary disease vector in our in our country today, more so than mosquitoes, right? Children are a greater disease vector than mosquito. Prove me wrong, all right? Um, then that kind of negates that. So if you are high risk otherwise, then you have to start thinking about how do I lower my risk of infection? And there's some things that we can do, and we're going to talk about that. But before we do that, let's talk about the concept of commonality of disaster. See, one of the reasons I haven't felt the need to go screaming and yelling at y'all As I've been teaching basic preparedness to you for 12 years. And my core to everything that I teach and have taught for those 12 years, and everything that I've done prior to those 12 years when I went public with it, was based on commonality, commonality of disaster. And you've heard me, if you've been with me, you've heard this before. When there is an earthquake in Haiti, they ask for the exact same things that they ask for when there's a fire in California or a disease outbreak in Africa. They ask for the same thing. Food, water, medicine, comfort items, hygiene items. That's it. Those are the five primary things that people need during a disaster. Guess what? Guess what you need during an epidemic or a pandemic? You need the same things. And that's why I've always focused on the commonality of disaster. When that stupid show and all the little peripherals that came off of it when, when prepping boomed in like, you know, 09, 2010, 2011, 2012, doomsday preppers, the first thing they would do when they brought on the, I call them the stooge or the mark, because they're like, we'll make you famous for five minutes, and then people sold out their lives, and then they got completely made to look like fools. That's why when those, and I, those people begged me to be part of that. They begged me, to, and I told them all to cram it up their ass, and I didn't want to talk to them. They lied to my wife to try to say that it was okay, and then they lied to me and said she was it okay at a trade show. Their producers came up to us and lied to both of us in front of each other, and I near punched the guy in the head. And one of the one of the many problems I had with the, with that group was they bring somebody out. Well, what are you preparing for? I'm so and so, and I'm preparing for a coronal mass ejection from the sun. I'm preparing for a nuclear holocaust. I'm preparing for an Ebola outbreak, whatever it was. And I knew some of those people that were on that show, and I'm like, they are not preparing for that. They had to have a thing that they were preparing for. This is how they've conditioned people to believe. You don't have anything to worry about until there's something going on, and then you need to prepare for that thing. It's all the same. It's the systems of support. You prepare to do without, for a period of time, the systems of support that you come to take is going to always be there. The ability to run down to the grocery store and get more food. Either you can't go because they're out of stuff, or you can't go because there's an illness and you're afraid to go. You can't go because they told you you're not allowed to go because they put a quarantine in place. Whatever it is. It doesn't matter why, it matters that. You can't go to the grocery store because there's a pandemic. You can't go to the grocery store because just like happened in Tennessee last night, there's a tornado and there is no store. Because it's gone away. It's done blown apart. Now you have to deal without it. And your power is off because it blew away the telephone pole down the road from you. It's all 
the same. And because I expect that you're doing the things that all of you say that you're doing, I don't have this impetus to start screaming from the hills the first time there's a problem. Because it it does seem to me that this is an opportune time for me to do what I do best, which is say, hey, you know how I say to get ready? I hope you did. But when all this crazy shit's going on, I can't be part of dogpiling on that. Right? So that's the commonality of disaster. Now let's dig into what we can do specifically for this. Number one is there is the possibility you're going to get coronavirus. There is a probability that it won't be that big a deal for you. There's also a probability that it might be kind of really uncomfortable and not great, but not life-threatening. And then there is a possibility that you could end up on a respirator. And again, with the risk factors indicating the, the, how much more likely that is, it's all possible. But building up immunity is a really great thing here. And one of the big differences between this and the thing they don't compare it to the flu, but it's just like the Spanish flu, right? Come on, you can't have it both ways. The Spanish flu, the thing that made that flu so deadly, and it killed about 2% of estimated infections. And it's estimated. Infections are always estimated. Always remember that. But what made it so so dangerous is, you know, they've been calling this one the Kung flu, right? Honestly, the Spanish flu is more like the Kung flu, right? Because they say in Kong, I think it's bullshit, but in Kung fu, you turn your enemy's strength against him. So the bigger and stronger your enemy is, the more you hurt him, right? Okay, yeah. I think in, in the case of the Spanish flu, there was actually something to that. It turned people's immune systems against themselves. And it was mostly really strong, virile people that were hit the hardest. So that makes it very difficult when you have an illness like that to deal with. Because building up your immunity can actually hurt you, but what do you do? Tear it down? Like, there's no good answer to that. In this case, the more... The more Uh, built up your immune system is the better. One of the ways you can do that, and some people think it's hokum, I do not. It is through supplementation. And the specific vitamin supplements that we can look at for immune boosting, and, and there's plenty of scientific data that is the case, are B6, C, and E. And that's like Mayo Clinic says that. Not Jack Spirico says that because he's a crazy prepper. And I have links to the particular um, B, C, and E products I would buy if I was buying them for myself to build up my immunity off Amazon in the show notes today. I hesitate to even do that because the profiteering going on here bugs me. But I do promote you know, the fact that I sell Amazon products and they are available and I have a link to them. And um, when it comes to... C vitamin and specifically, I highly recommend, and I'm not a doctor, I'm not a naturopath or whatever, I'm just a person with some common sense. I highly recommend a chewable because you get really great absorption with a chewable. B6 and E, you take capsules. And there's no reason to go spending massive ass loads of money on very special ones or anything like that. Uh, these three vitamins are highly absorbable And if you want to up your immunity, you're probably, it's really worth doing. And, you know, it's always a good, in my opinion, it's always a good thing to be on a multivitamin. And then if you, when you want to specifically address another situation, then up those things a bit. But B6, C, and E. Now, like, well, what about full spectrum B12 and all? That's fine. But the, the B vitamin that has been shown to have the greatest marked effect on immunity is B6. And again, 
There's some debate about whether that's true or not. It's not going to hurt you. It doesn't cost a lot of money. And there is sound medical science that infers that at least we can think that this might help us. So that's a pretty low-risk play to me. Next, Qcertin. And um, this is something that I take daily because I work with Dr. Stephen Lewis. It has nothing to do with COVID-19 as to why I'm taking it. But it is good for boosting immunity. There's some pretty good clinical results that show that it does have a marked immunity boost. And a doctor in Canada did some very intensive work with it during the SARS outbreak. And he says, and this is a doctor, not me, that he believes Qcertin can be used to treat the coronavirus known as COVID-19. By the way, SARS is also a coronavirus, a much worse one. You see... You see what I'm saying about this whole, the coronavirus is very misleading to people, and it, it, it's causing a lot of people to freak out and say some really dumb shit, like, it's all a scam, they have a patent on it. They have a patent on SARS, so that it's public domain, so that anybody can use it for research. That's why they have a patent on it. So one drug company can't claim patent on the, on the virus itself. That's why government, government, you know, I love to kick them. You know, I, I hate the state, but sometimes they do things that at least you can give an explanation as to why. And what they generally do with one of these viruses or whatever, once they do identify it, they do put a patent on it, but then they open it to public research so that one company can't have a monopoly with it. You can't work on a cure for COVID-19 because we have a patent on it, so you can't use the virus in your cure. That's why they do this. So there's a pre-existing patent on the coronavirus. No, on the SARS virus. Right? So this guy did work on the SARS virus with Qcertain. And it says a derivative of Qcertain in the um, article. But when I looked up the study that he did on SARS, it wasn't a derivative of anything. It was Qcertain. Now, what I couldn't find in that study was specifically how much was given. But it did seem to be helpful. Now, SARS was really, really bad. Based on his knowledge and his research, he thinks it can help. But there is no dosage information. I have no idea. But... You know, a standard everyday dose, immune boosting dose of Qcertain, it's inexpensive, right? It's probably a good idea anyway, and it is not going to hurt you. It's not going to hurt you. Now, B6, C, E, and Qcertain, as far as I know, don't have a lot of contraindications or anything like that. I couldn't find any when I tried to look it up, but if you're on any kind of drugs... You know, any kind of medications, you should probably check with your health care practitioner to make sure there's no conflict there. But as far as I know, there isn't. And I don't understand how there would be with vitamin B6, vitamin C, and E. But there, I, I don't know. I'm not a doctor. Qcertain, it is an extract from plants. Right? This is basically a food, but it's like a food concentrate. So in higher doses, it, maybe it does. So if you're on anything, please check. Since I don't take any drugs... I'm not worried about contraindications. Uh, next, and this is going to sound really oversimple, but it's not. Stay hydrated, stay active, walk, and move your freaking lungs. You know, exercise. Yeah, that's good for immunity, but really with respiratory illness, one of the ways that you, you have old people die in rest homes and memory care facilities and stuff like that, they die of pneumonia. And that's why, like, when this got into that one uh, elder care facility in Seattle, that's like, man, this is going to be some dead people from this. Because in those facilities, and my father-in-law was in one of those facilities for over two years, 
because we had no alternative. And it was like one of the, it was, if, if I ever have to go in a home, I want to go there. I mean, it was like a hotel. It was the best I've ever seen. I'm not saying it was perfect, but it was like we went, like when we had to do it, it killed us. And we went to like half a dozen different places. And several of them, I, I wouldn't put my worst enemy in. And we found this place, we're like, man, I'm glad we can make this work financially for him. And I still watched people almost weekly when we would go down there to visit. Weekly, somebody would die. And most of the time, it would be pneumonia. Because most of those people had Alzheimer's, i.e. dementia, and eventually they just would succumb to the body breaking down. Most of them didn't die of a heart attack or another illness. And you know, Alzheimer's in of itself, they say it's the cause of death, but it, it, directly it really isn't fatal. I guess long enough it can eat away enough of the brain that it, it, it is. Um, but most of them died because they didn't, because they got pneumonia of some form. And what the, 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 the workers would tell us is the more we can get them to get up and walk, the less at risk they are to this. And they would tell us, you know, we, we're trying to partner with y'all here. We got a bunch of people here, et cetera. We do our best, but when you visit, it's best if you can get them up and get them to walk somewhere. They need to walk or whatever. Get them to move. Well, if that's good for them, it's good for you too. And you want the best respiratory health you can have if you're going to get any respiratory illness. You're going to be more resistant to it. All right, so get up and walk. Stay hydrated. Drink lots of water. If you're a person that has this, you know, this chronic problem of not getting enough fluid in you, get the fluid in you. Right? Get the fluid in you, man. Drink. Start tracking your water intake. Aim to get, you know, eight glasses of water a day. It's not going to hurt you. You're going to pee more, but you're going to do a better job of eliminating waste. So you're going to be in better overall health. The last thing you want to do is be borderline dehydrated and get something like COVID-19. All of a sudden, a person that was otherwise not additionally at risk could be. Anything that weakens you weakens your immunity and your resistance to an illness, right? That's why a lot of times when people need to have a surgery, and it is a necessary surgery, but it's not a necessary now surgery, sometimes we'll put the surgery off like a month and say basically whatever you can do to be in the best shape mentally and physically as you can before that surgery, do it. Do it. Because the recovery is always better. And you got to think of getting sick, no matter what it is, like kind of having surgery. And how sick you are kind of relative to how major the surgery was. It's not the same thing, but it's a good way to think of it from a practical standpoint of being prepared to get ill. You almost want to think about this like, I hate to say this because you start freaking out, but uh, I, it's likely that I'm going to get this. What can I do to be in the best shape I can when it happens? You know, back off on the alcohol, guys. You know, there's a, a joke going around now that like, I saw a meme and it was like, um, The thing from Lord of the Rings where the, 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 it's like, you have no power here, right? And it says, you know, alcohol kills coronavirus. This is Wisconsin. You have no power here. It's funny. I get it. But it doesn't work that way. You know, drinking lots of alcohol lowers your immunity. Back off on the alcohol. Also dehydrates you, lowers your immunity. Makes you do stupid shit. Ups your chances of getting infected. So stay hydrated. Stay active. Walk. Move your lungs. Limit the alcohol. Yes, wash your hands. And here's something most people are clueless about, and I find this totally ironic. Go to the grocery store when something like this is going on. They got those sanitary wipes, Purell, whatever, in the front. 
So you see the Karen mom. Karen walks in. She goes over. And she gets the Purell pump, and she just, man, she Purells this shit out of her hands. And if they don't have Purell for her, she pulls her little Purell out that's got her little her little carabiner attached to her Karen purse, and she Purells the shit out. She Purells her kids' hands. Purell, Purell, Purell. Yeah, Purell it up. And then she gets that little wipey thing, and she wipes down the handrail of the shopping cart. I don't actually think that's a bad thing. But I think many people doing that are deluding themselves. Because then Karen goes walking through the store, and a little snot kid, little little mini Karen, or, Karen, or little mini Kyle, go walking through the store, wiping his nose, and touching all the stuff on the shelves. And Karen touches all the stuff on the shelves. And then Karen goes to the cash register, and the cash register person touches all her stuff, and puts it in her bags, and touches her bags, and hands the bags to Karen. But Karen wiped off the... See the problem here? See the problem here? And then Karen goes back to her car and drives down the road. And maybe the Purell on her hands helps a little bit with things that she's come in contact with. But she doesn't Purell her hands again. See? Like, my point with all this is not don't worry about washing your hands. You know, not even don't be a germaphobe or whatever. Just understand there's limits to this. And if you're going to take these approaches, think a little bit broader. What about all the people? So you go and you buy a head of lettuce. This would be a great example. You buy a head of lettuce. Well, the head of lettuce was probably picked by a migrant worker in West Texas or California. It was probably handled by three or four more people before it got into a box, got in the back of a truck, and then was trucked to wherever you're going in a nice, wet, cool environment, which is like the perfect environment to make a virus last longer. And then, you know, uh, adolescent Kyle, Karen and Karen and Kyle's son, who works in the produce section, he puts it on the shelf. And then Judy, Judy comes by, looks at that head of lettuce, picks it up, examines it, puts it back down. You going to spray it with Lysol? I mean, you can wash your produce, you should, but you, you start to realize that this idea that you're going to run around in an N95 mask and not get coronavirus is kind of foolish. And additionally, so you take that mask, you put it on, it can be somewhat helpful in direct protection, i.e. breathing something in. But you put your mask on, you go to the store, you, and then you touch something, you touch your eye. When you get home, what are you going to do with your mask? If, if you went somewhere where it's coronavirus, you got coronavirus all over the... See? Now it's disposable and you paid $50 for it on eBay so you could survive. Like all of this we have to put into some perspective with the hygiene here. Good personal hygiene habits are a great idea. And if, you, if you're going to have good personal hygiene all the time, please... No one wants to smell you stink anyway. No one wants your grubby, nasty hands with grubby, nasty stuff on it touching their things. So it's, it's, it's a good thing that we do this, but we should just realize that it's, it's, it's pretty limited in the scope that it actually can do for us. And then my last thing is, if you do get sick, and I don't mean get coronavirus or get deep, you know, deep lung problems or something like that. But if you got get a fever and the chills and whatever, 
pay attention for your symptoms increasing and be willing to seek higher level medical care if necessary. But if you just get sick in general, like if you're coughing and you got a little bit of congestion, you know, it might be a good idea right now that you don't go to work for a couple days because you don't want to contribute to further spread. If you do happen to have coronavirus, you might want to see where things are going. But don't run to the doctor or the hospital the second that you have a sniffle. Because I'm going to tell you that the odds that you have coronavirus right now, again, all this can change. And I don't have a problem with things when people say this can change. I have a problem when people say this will change. Because you don't know what's going to happen. And when you say you do, you're full of shit and you're trying to, you're trying to build brand or push product. The, the way I said it, what they're selling is fear and gear. That's what the whole, that's what everybody's doing right now. We sell fear and gear. But if you right now were a little congested and you went to the doctor's office, especially if you're in Seattle or San Francisco, well, <laughs> You're probably more likely to get the coronavirus by going there than you are to have the coronavirus that sent you there. That doesn't mean you don't have it. But the other thing we need to not have is we don't need people with mild illnesses putting a burden on healthcare infrastructure while we have people with major complications from the same illness. So if you think you have it and yet you are not really bad, you're better off self-quarantining. You don't need to just worry about whether or not you need to add to the statistics with the confirmed case, in my opinion. Now, if you feel that you are having serious symptoms for anything, you should seek medical advice. But I think we need to, we really need to start using more medical triage by phone, discussing things with a doctor. Here's where I'm at. You can get almost every stat that a doctor needs to look at. You know, there's nothing that replaces a physical exam, but we can do a lot of triage as you should seek higher level medical care or you shouldn't over the phone. And we need to be doing more of that with everything. To just overall drive down risk of spread of minor illnesses from people that are minorly affected to people who will get that same minor illness and be majorly affected. This needs to be a standard practice. Okay, some more generalized prepping. I've seen a lot of shit lately on Facebook about, I got a generator. Good for you. You should have a generator. I got more ammo and guns. Good for you. You should have ammo and guns. But that type of stuff is not really the stuff that's likely to pay any dividends in this situation. Other than, it's always great to have backup power if power goes out, especially if you're self-quarantined. And it's always good to be able to defend your home, especially if EMS is involved with other things. So those things may be helpful, but they're not the place that I'm going to look to first to shore up my preps right now. If everything else is checked out, I might take a look at them. I mean, let's face it, always excuse to buy another box of ammo, right? But food, the number one place that people will have issues during this time is going to be with food. And I don't expect to see a lot of people starving, but I do see a lot of people eating some shit they never thought they would eat, and they're not even sure why it's in their house. Okay, um, Or having to take risks to go out and to procure food when maybe right in your area for a time, things should be kind of everybody stay home. Right? That could happen. 
And there are certain areas, I think, that are at higher risk for that than others. So food. And you should have a 30- to 60-day supply of food. But you should do that anyway. That's, that's again, why I'm saying calm down. If you don't have a 30-day supply, just 30 days, you call yourself a prepper, you're part of this community, you've been listening to this show for years, you say you're a prepper, you post all this shit about prepping, you tell all your friends they should prep, and when somebody tells you, boy, I hope you have 30 days worth of food, you're like, oh, shit. Maybe you're not as much prepper as you thought you were. Maybe that's why some of you are freaking out. That's, why, again, why I called the show today, the feeling exposed due to COVID-19. Good, here's what to do about it. And that's the first place that I would look is being able to just stay home if you had to and generalize be okay. This is why we always talk about financial preps. I have people tell me, you plan way too much on telling people to save money because if the economy collapses, it ain't going to matter and money's going to be worthless. Ain't worthless right now, is it? It ain't worthless right now, is it? Can you go 30 days without an income? That's why the basic preparedness plan is eliminate debt and then save up first a 30, then a 60, then a 90-day emergency fund. If you, ha if you can stay home for 30 to 60 days and pay your bills for 30 to 60 days, this is nothing but an inconvenience and maybe a chance to get some things done that you normally wouldn't have been able to get done. If the worst potential comes from it, which it's likely not to. Got it? Okay? But food first. And I really recommend that you buy shit you do not have, but you should have online while it's in stock, because there are going to be some runs on some things. But I got three main reasons to do it. One, the cost is about the same, especially Amazon, for most food items. And I, I recommend checking out Thrive Markets as well for food source. And there's other places you can order your food online. And if you're not going to order, if you're going to go pick it up, then, you know, if you, you, you can check with like four or five different local Walmarts with their online order pickup thing that you can do. Sam's Club does it as well. And instead of fighting through all the people, just order and pick up. That limits your time inside a crowded building with lots of people. Which gives you my third reason. So you got cost, you got convenience, and you got lack of zombies. The zombies are starting to show up. The zombies are not brainless, raised from the dead automatons that want to eat your brains. The zombies are disease carrying, freaked out people. And those disease, like, so again, everybody's worried, coronavirus, coronavirus, coronavirus. And it, it just frustrates me when you bring up the flu and people are like, it's not the same. I, I, I'm aware of that. I'm not sure that you really are. But the one commonality is that, um, that they're both infectious coronary respiratory, I'm sorry, uh, respiratory diseases. And that one right now has millions and millions and millions of cases going on and something like 12,000 people already dead this year alone in our country, and it's the flu. So while you're running around to prepare for coronavirus, especially if you're one of these at-risk demographics that we talked about, That means you're also an at-risk demographic for the flu, and you're elbowing your way through Costco or Sam's Club surrounded by zombies. Maybe you should just order the stuff you need while it's easy and convenient to do, 
and shore up your 30- to 60-day food supply. Maybe you should just do that today. And again, I always say shop through T-SPAS if you can, and I appreciate that you do, but I'm not, I don't want to profiteer here. But, I mean, guys know what I do for a living, and I appreciate when you guys support me. Um, but that's it. Cost, convenience, and lack of the freaked out, disease-carrying people will call them zombies. Things that you need to specifically think about for this, but again, most of them you should, you should do anyway. Number one, when we start prepping, a lot of y'all are still big on the beans, bullets, band-aids. So uh, the bean side ends up being beans, pasta, rice, etc. And a lot of you feed your kids food that they shouldn't eat, in my opinion. But you feed it to them. It's what they eat, and when they're crying and screaming, it's what you give them. And most of that shit is full of preservatives, which is generally a bad thing. In this case, it's a good thing. For the crap that your kids eat, but you don't think of as preps, but you know they're going to eat X amount of this shit over 90 days, go buy that shit. Go buy it right now. And then just start using it, and when it gets down to 60 days, resupply it to 90. Eat what you store, store we eat. And if you're going to make a big change dietarily, start working on that. That'll make that shit last longer. But that way, if you end up with Tommy and Tammy stuck in the house for a month because your local government decides there's just too much risk for these kids to go to school you got the shit that they eat and you ain't fighting with Karen and Kyle for the last thing of Gogurt alright I mean see how simple that is put that stuff in place and some stuff that's refrigerated stuff that does expire in two to three weeks you might find that you can freeze it and it doesn't expire because it's frozen And it, when it defrosts, it's still good to eat. So you might want to look at that, too. But have the shit your kids eat that you don't think of as preps. Hygiene items. I said this last week. I'll say it again. But all I was saying, feminine hygiene, feminine hygiene. Hey, how about all hygiene? Right? All hygiene products. Because that's only one type of hygiene. Soap and shampoo and stuff has no shelf life. Now, the reason I don't talk about this extensively is because... You should have a 30- to 60-day supply of this stuff at all times. And, you know, this is the one where most Americans do. Most Americans most Americans are not going to run out of soap this week if they can't leave the house. If you are, I don't even know what to say. Like that's the thing. But make sure you have all the stuff that you need. Maintenance medications. If you And this is, again, you should be doing this anyway. If you're diabetic and you buy brand-new insulin every week, And if you have to go one week without going to get your insulin, you're going to die. I don't know what to say. I don't know that many of y'all do that. I don't really know because I haven't had to deal with it directly. But if you are on a medication, you should talk to your doctor right now and say, Hey, doc, I want to make sure I have 30-day reserve of this minimum at all times. Let's work that out. And they'll do that. You know, Unless it's a narcotic, they're going to do that. And even in some instances, they're going to do that too. That's something else you need to think about. If you're on medication for chronic pain and that they limit your supply, you might want to think about some alternatives. And that's all I that's all I can say about that. Next, protective gear. Great. Um, but again, let's let's have a reality check about it too. Masks are designed to be a single use item. Because whatever they're protecting you from breathing in is now on them. 
They're, they're, they're more beneficial to prevent the spread of disease in someone infected than prevent the person who's not infected from getting infected. Because it's not only your nose and mouth that you can get these viruses from. And if, again, you end up with anything on your body somewhere, unless you're going to go take a sonic shower like they have on the Star Trek Enterprise, you know, five times a day, even if you wash your hands, you can still transfer things. So I think one of the things, though, that makes a lot of sense, and there hadn't been a huge run on, is gloves, like natural gloves. Um, a couple boxes of those around, and then, they're, again, they're something you put on, you use, and then you throw away. But especially if you end up caring for someone who's infected, Because that way it's not just about washing hands. It's about preventing contact in the first place and then disposing of them properly, by the way. You know, if you take them off and then rub your hands with them and throw them like you got how this all works, right? You take the one off partly, you take the other one off partly, you use the insides to pull them off and you throw them in the garbage and you get rid of them. Right? I mean, that's... I saw all go on that today. But, you know, if you want protective gear, that's fine. But let's think about this. You know, let's think about how there is a limit to what it can do for you. And then cleaning supplies and sanitizers, et cetera. And, again, let's not lose our minds. But there, there's nothing wrong, especially during kind of a peak like this, of Karen's little bottle of Purell. If you want to do that, that's fine. You know, it's not going to hurt anything. I'm all for things that won't hurt anything. As long as they don't let us, you know, fall into a, a delusion of safety. Well, I got my N95 mask that I've worn 75 times and my Purell, so I'm not going to get sick. It makes me think there was a there was a, a flu outbreak. I think it was the swine flu, and of course Mexico was having it much worse than us when that came out. Another one, I said, calm the hell down, it'll be okay for it. And then people, you're stupid, Spirico. You're supposed to know better. Ah, same shit, you know. And they showed this video, and this kid was in in Mexico. <laughs> He's got a mask on. Poor kid, you know. Just the 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 disconnect between reality. He's you know, like say kid. He wasn't like five. He was like fourteen year old kid. He's sitting there with a Coca Cola bottle, old school Coca Cola bottles, like they still have down there in Mexico. He's got his mask on. He's sitting in a public place, and he lifts the mask up, drinks the Coke, and puts the mask back down, and just. <sighs> there's a limit to what this stuff can do. And then the next thing, remember, this type of shit always passes. Even in freaking Bosnia, when you went down the main street and snipers shot at you, even there, it eventually stopped. The lesson in that, not only not to freak out, but be good to your neighbors. Be good to your neighbors and help people out during shortages when you can. This is not Armageddon. This is not the end of the world. This is not Ebola and SARS made a baby and are coming to get you. And people are going to remember those who were helpful and those that were all for themselves in any disaster. So if this does... Now, that doesn't mean go put yourself at undue risk of infection... But especially if you've already damn well been sick and you got a little lady next door checking on her, especially if she's already been sick anyway and it's just a shortage thing, you know, come on. Take care of the people and, and, and someday maybe they'll be taking care of you. The lesson here for many preppers, though, is maybe you're just not as prepped as you think you were. 
And any bump in the road is exposing that. And that's why you're freaking out. That's why you're worried. That's why you're concerned, because you've talked about this stuff, but you ain't done it. And now you're trying to do it while everybody else is trying to do it, which is the whole thing we try to avoid as preppers is not dogpiling on the problem. So right now the good news is, even in the places where they're showing pictures of like stores with shells wiped out, it's the same shit the news does. There's people out there on Facebook, some of them alternative media, some of them just want to make a point. They're taking pictures, you know, of the bread and milk wipe wiped out. Well, they're showing one store in one aisle. You want to see bread and milk wiped out here in Texas, go down to Walmart when there's going to be a quarter inch of snow. But go to the next store and it's not like that. And go to the next aisle and there's plenty of food. You know, I, I went to the store this weekend twice, two different ones. I, I didn't really notice anything any different. And it's Dallas-Fort Worth. It's a big city. We haven't had an outbreak like you have in Seattle. And I say, like, areas of this country that are the most at risk, Seattle, San Francisco, Los Angeles, Portland, Oregon. Anybody who has a huge homeless and drug, uh, you know, drugged-out homeless problem, this is going to be a problem for you. Areas with lots of migrant workers, Texas, California, Arizona. It's going to be a problem for you. And this is why I have no respect for the left anymore. Donald Trump's an idiot. He's done nothing wrong. But every time he tr closes down travel from a highly affected area, he's xenophobic. That's the only thing you can do. And that's what you need to understand in all of this with the prepping. You need to worry more about being prepared to end up having to stay put than just about anything else here. Because it's the most likely problem that you're going to have to deal with. It's the most likely scenario that's going to inconvenience you. And, and, and the majority of Americans, what you're looking at here is an inconvenience. And I've had well, you don't understand the supply chain issues from China. And what I understand. There could be some ex economic consequences to this. But it's already beginning to ebb in China. It's already beginning the downturn in China. China. We can't trust the Chinese government. I don't trust the Chinese government. I do trust people that I have direct contact with who are in China. I've heard nothing from any of those people that's vastly different from what's actually being said by the Chinese government. I'm not saying it's identical. I'm not saying there are a bunch of Boy Scouts over there in the People's uh, you know, Republic of China or whatever. I, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying it, 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 is not, it is not the variance that you're being told about on alternative news sites and tinfoil hat freaking radio. There's no incinerators and there's no, you know, thousand people a day being pitched. That is, again, that is why I kept saying, calm the F down. Because that's what I'm trying to counter is that kind of lunacy. I, I don't remember where it was, but I guarantee if you try to find on Google and you do something like sulfur, gas, incinerators, Wuhan, coronavirus on Google, I bet you find it. I, in fact, you know, let me see if I can find it. I didn't find the original one, but I found, thankfully, a, a full-fact um, uh, article countering the claim. This is on fullfact.org. 
these aren't satellite images and they don't show evidence of mass cremations in Wuhan. Claims satellite images showing high levels of sulfur dioxide above China are evidence of mass cremations of people who have died from coronavirus. Conclusion false. The maps are not satellite images and do not show actual levels of sulfur dioxide. They're simply forecast based on historical data and weather patterns. This is the bull, and that was on 13th of February that they had already countered it. This is the bullshit that I've had to deal with, and I am one thing I guess y'all don't understand. Y'all don't read my email. I'm getting droves of stuff by people who know the real truth, man. Who know the real truth, man. They're not telling us, man. It's bad over there, man. Okay. Well, my guy that lives there <laughs> looked out his window and said, "All your bullshit is bullshit." So I don't buy it. I just don't buy it. Again, I'm back to, I think this thing is way more common than we understand. And it makes all of the scary numbers look way inflated from where they are. They keep telling us how it's so much more contagious than the flu. So what you're telling me then is we had an outbreak of a virus in a city of 11 million people that supposedly twice is infectious as the flu. But only about 70 to 80,000 people in that city of 11 million in incredibly high-density housing, high-density multi-generational housing got it. Okay. Sure. Sure. You see why I'm not buying those numbers? You see why that makes me a little bit more calm? And you see why I'm like, okay, here's all these things you should do to be prepared, but you should do that shit anyway? I've got friends, people that we know, that know me and know what I've done that we ain't heard from in five years. They're afraid of me. <laughs> they're afraid of me. So they're calling my wife. Um, would you ask Jack if he thinks um, we should um, like start to stockpile some food? Well, that tells me that y'all in the audience that ain't been doing what you should do, and you might want to go up your food reserves. When that person starts, that's when the... The the, the, the the people are starting to just act, they're overreacting. Which is obvious that it's going to happen because, again, the media cycle churn, 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 churn. If you ain't really paid attention, the next segment you hear on the coronavirus, just leave out the part that they found a new person somewhere that died from it. And listen to the core. And say to yourself, self... Have I heard this story before? I think I heard it yesterday like eight times, and the day before like five times, and the day before that like seven times. And then you start asking yourself, Self, why do we feel so nervous about this? Maybe because we're listening to it five times yesterday and seven times the day before, nine times the day before that. And thank God they talked about the election and stopped doing this for a while because I'm going to have a damn coronary here. They're running a shock cycle. That doesn't, see, and this is what's frustrating me with some of y'all. That doesn't mean there's nothing to worry about. In fact, it is the biggest piece to worry about is the result of their shock cycle. But also, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. This thing is not going to become the extreme problem that they're making it out to be. And pay attention to opportunities in this window. If you have a mortgage, you might really, really, really want to look at refinancing your mortgage 
while you're sitting at home taking a day off of work because Bill sneezed. Right? If you have some cash reserves, watch this market flop around, flop around, flop around, up and down, flop around, bounce down, up and down, flop around. Watch it. And wait for that opportunity. And don't wait for that opportunity to buy a mutual fund. Wait for that opportunity to buy that blue chip stock. And I don't necessarily mean specifically a blue chip. Blue chip in your mind with that long-term potential that is going to rock right through this because the minute that they basically say the threat is basis, keep watching, but it seems like, boom, this economy is like a coil spring right now. It is going to rage as soon as they call off the dogs on this. The other side of it, the person we heard from yesterday, the doctor that said there could be a second wave of this this fall, absolutely could. We're going to have more treatment options in place by that point. Boy, though, I'll tell you what. If there is, they want the orange man out of office so bad. They will run a fear and shock cycle double. We could have half of the rebound of the problem, and they'll double down on the shock and awe attack. Just understand that's what's going on. It doesn't mean turn your back, wash your hands of it, Go away. Don't worry about it at all. It's completely meaningless to you. But if you don't watch the TV today and there's a quarantine in your town, they'll tell you. You'll know. You don't have to pay attention 24-7 to Juan Williams. You really don't. It's going to be all right. You, you can watch once a day, and whatever's being said that day, you can watch for 20 minutes, and 10 minutes of it will be that thing. Don't sit there and read every article. I mean, just breathe. Just breathe. And I'm still, to this moment, more worried about the fact that I haven't redone my greenhouse this year and I still haven't completely cleaned out my aviary than I am about getting the damn coronavirus. Just to kind of set the stage for my level of panic and concern. With that, let's go ahead and wrap things up. And let me remind you, as I was saying earlier, you can help support this show by doing your online shopping at tspaz.com. T-S-P-A-Z.com, where you'll find all of the items that I recommend. Uh, but as long as you shop there, you help us no matter what you eventually buy. Today's item of the day is another one of the big three uh, with seed starting that I found this year and I've brought around a couple times. It'll probably be the last time I bring this around for a while, just like it's going to be the last time I bring the lights around that I brought around yesterday and the rapid reader plugs if you're doing it hydroponically. But it's the four-shelf indoor mini greenhouse for $35. Bucks. Let me say, this thing comes from China. Uh, I'm pretty sure it does. And while I'm not worried about getting the Wuhan flu by opening it, um, now these things might dry up or it might not be $35 bucks in a couple weeks. So you might want, and in a couple weeks, it might be a little bit late to start your, your, your plants. This thing's 35 bucks, four shells, perfect for installing your lights. You can start plants with the hydro system I came up with. You can start them in flats. It doesn't matter. Um, it is, you cannot build this thing out of, out of, out of lumber for 35 bucks. When you take it out of the box, you're going to be like, what has Jack done to me? He's a jerk. It looks like it's a million pieces. That's because all the little arms and stuff, you don't even need a screwdriver to put this thing together. This is a half beer, not a half six-pack. This is a half beer job. Check it out, the four-shelf indoor mini greenhouse. Couple that with the Barina lights I had yesterday, and then go hydro if you want to or just do soil. But you, this thing will pay for itself with a, set, with a couple sets of lights 
and the plants you can produce in one season, and from there, making those plants is going to be like printing money. So long-term preps, be able to feed yourself. You know, one reason I'm not worried about feeding myself is I got a couple bags of hydroponic fertilizer, a couple bags of organic fertilizer, and a bunch of seed, and I can turn crops in 30 days. I'm going to feed myself no matter what. All right. You can too, and the indoor mini greenhouse shelf system for 35 bucks at tspaz.com is one way to do it. Remember, if you want to get emails about all my stuff, stay informed, not be streamed at that the world's ending. Actually have real down-to-earth, common-sense conversations about things and resources you can use like you heard about today. Just to subscribe to the Daily Mail. Go to thesurvivalpodcast.com. Click on subscribe. Fill out a form. Name and email address is all I need. You can even give me a fake name. I don't care. I don't ever look at it anyway. But if you give me a fake email, you won't get the email, and that doesn't work. I do not share your information with anybody. I never have. I never would because I'm not stupid. You're my customer. Why the hell would I want to give you away to my competitor? It just doesn't make any sense. I know people do it, but I don't because I'm not stupid. With that, let's go to our song of the day today. And I didn't even realize it when I queued it up. We're in Joe D. Messina week. And, uh, boy, what a song for today. It's called I'm All Right. Um, and just that alone, it's a very happy song. And I think maybe some of y'all need some happy enjoying your damn lives right now and relax and turn off the TV and listen to Joe D. Messina because she makes a hell of a lot more sense than they do. On a more serious note, this song is actually about two friends having a meeting, hadn't seen each other for a long time. And I think it, people maybe gloss over the whole first stanza with the, 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 the difference between the two people. So this isn't really a lost love. In fact, we don't even ever know if the other party in this is opposite sex, assuming that we're not doing a transgendered song, which I doubt Joe D. Messina is doing. Um, there's no reason to actually believe that this is a dude, even though she says in your business suit, women wear business suits. could be just a girlfriend from high school. The real juxtaposition in this is that one of these people walked the path that society expects one to walk for a guaranteed promise of success. The other one chased a dream. And not everything has worked out. The one has kids in a business suit and took the business route. and Everything is straight in line and doing well. And the other one's life is kind of chaotic. Sometimes money's tight. But in the end, the person's enjoying themselves, living the hell out of life. And I'm going to tell you what, in those situations, I'm not talking about the person that's a deadbeat on the other side, but the person that's really chasing their dreams and they're living all that chaos, that person that so-and-so got it made with the pool and everything and the you know, McMansion house and all, they always look at that person that's living that chaotic, dream-chasing life and envy them. They envy them because they had the courage to pursue their real dreams. It's a great way to be all right. With that, it's been Jack Spearco, another edition of the Survival Podcast. Well, it's been a long time. Glad to see your face. I knew we'd meet again another time, another place. Can't believe it's been so many years. You better grab a chair and a couple of beers. Looking good in your three-piece suit, you know I always knew you'd take the business route. You were always the one to follow the light, and you look like you're doing all right, yeah. Been singing for my rent, and singing for my supper, I'm above the below and below the upper. I'm stuck in the middle where money gets tight, but I guess I'm doing all right. I'm all, I'm all, I'm all right. 
never they thought we were crazy, but we have the hunger. We kept a lot of friends, skipped a lot of class, been on top of the world and knocked on our We lost touch, we lost in love, we lost our minds when things got tough. But beating time is a losing fight, and I guess I'm doing all right. Send a fax or send me a letter or give me a call that would even be better. Give the kids a kiss for me and say hello to the family and tell them all my future's looking right. Well, I miss them, but I'm doing all right. I said I miss them, but I'm doing all right. 